everyone. Welcome to another new episode of Those Who Can't Do Podcasts, a teacher... Hello. Po- <laughs> oh, did I come in early? You did. It's oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a teacher podcast. Uh, that is another teacher. His name is Matt. He's also my producer, editor, and husband. Uh, he said hello already, so I'm skipping over that. My name is Gina, and we are continuing our conversation from last week with Junie McMillan and Matthew Payton discussing charter schools, public schools, and private schools, and you. And we will learn a little bit more, uh, and we will focus on the question of, do we even need teachers at this point, or does a a diverse education really matter? Hey. Also? No. <laughs> I've done it too many times. I want my own podcast. I can be the only guest, the only one. <laughs> no more round tables. Dang it. What's with this collabing? Exactly. You guys are, are the, you guys are the right talking now? heads. <laughs> yeah, Alright, are you ready to go? Yeah. We're ready. Okay. Alright. You don't have to be serious. <laughs> In fact, no. <laughs> All right, so at my school, I went to them and said, I really don't like your PA announcements. They're really annoying and kids don't listen to them. Can I make a news network? Because there's a really awesome digital media teacher who does news networks within her class. So I went to the administration and they said, that's great because that's really good advertising and that's how I sold it. So. You all, I feel all teachers have some kind of spark of creativity. Are you able to implement that within your campus? Instead of calling people out, I'll let someone just go in if they want to answer. I think, well, ours, I mean, our whole school right now is based on project-based learning. Mm -hmm. And so the whole idea is to do that. You have to have the creativity going into the year because everything you do has to be a creative way to assess students. There has to be that situation in place, but other public schools I've taught at didn't have that situation where you didn't really get to diverge from the lessons they had planned. Mm -hmm. You read this lesson in the textbook, you had the students fill out this worksheet, and that was going to prepare them for this test that was very specific. So I think it really depends on the, I don't know if that's a question of of the genre as much as it is is the school. Like I don't really, are we calling them genre of schools? This is a genre of the school, (laughs) the private school sector. (laughs) I'm saying private public charter. I don't know if it matters as much as it matters to your school, school. Like the personal school you're at. I don't know. Maybe that's just where I'm at with it. What have you experienced? Because I, yeah, I've been like that too. I don't think I've ever volunteered a creative idea to a principal <laughs> that they've shot down. I think they always, yeah, they've always mm-hmm. want you know, hey, if you're willing to do a debate club or discussion club, or for years I did something called Aristotle's Lunchbox, where we take a news story and you know kick it around at lunch. And- yeah, at our school, uh, the teachers can, yeah, once they're given. Uh, the parameters of what we want them to teach, they can teach that however they like. And as far as the extracurricular things that would happen like at lunch or after school, um, it really depends from year to year on the kids that you have. But again, I've not seen a teacher bring forth something that was shot down. Give it a try. The worst that will happen is no one will show up or, you know, it just won't take off. But right. it, it's certainly worth the try. Yeah. 
It's worth the motivation. Yes, and and kids thrive in that. You'll find those certain kids that don't really fit into any niche, and then all of a sudden they love discussing, yeah. you know, something at lunch or, yeah, mm-hmm. they find their fortes. So since this pandemic has happened, um, <laughs> Judy, Judy just retired. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, sorry. Um, I think that's the wisest decision. There you go. Uh, since this pandemic happened, we see that this the system is now accessible to not just the teachers but the parents and anyone now has has this great access to what teachers are doing. So I think this is a pretty deep question or maybe I'm wrong, but the root of this is do kids really need teachers or could the parents do the job? That's big. Mic drop, I know, stunned. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think, okay. I think with the pandemic for the most part, we're looking at, you know, that Teachers are putting a lot of their stuff online, but I think that having the students be able to access it freely and, you know, like the amount of access, the amount of work I'm having, I'm going to restart this whole thought, the amount of work I'm having to do to have students just access the material now kind of speaks to that idea that it wouldn't, I don't know if it would be enough to just have, you know, the kids enroll in an online curriculum that's not guided by a specific teacher. I don't see it would be, I don't know if it would be the case. I don't but, know if it would be something But can't I, do. let's say I'm a parent, can't I just go in and say, okay, I have IXL, here's your grammar and quill.org, so your, your grammar is set, and now I have Edpuzzle, so I could take other people's videos and make my own edits and questions within the video. I have access to all these, and these are all free resources, even to free to some extent, but still free. Uh, can't I do these things and call myself good? And even the kid could go in and if they're old enough and figure it out and learn on their own. Or, I mean, I don't necessarily need a guided person, do I? I think what the pandemic has shown us, and we probably knew this even with you know online programs that existed before that, is you can transmit information um, to students with a laptop computer and the right apps or programs, whatever you need. Um, you could, you know, do achieve distance learning with whatever platform um, your school has chosen. But I think if you accept that a big part of education is relational um, and that, you know, you're not just learning content, but you're learning how to deal and interact and learn from people and um, benefit from the exchange of perspectives, um, I think technology still remains limited accomplishing those goals yeah the Um, connection you know i I think all you have to do is think about your best teacher that you ever had in school and your worst teacher you ever had in school and both those people had probably a profound influence on you um and even your worst teacher you know could have ended up affect you in a positive way by the end but there's there's a relationship that underpins that and um not to say that there's no relationship with zoom or with the platforms but it's certainly diminished and and I, I, you know, I'm a parent too, so I have three kids, and can I teach them math, reading, English, all this stuff? I probably I can, but I can't become someone else that they have to interact with in a different personality and um, offer a different perspective other than my own. And, and I want my kids to experience that. I don't yeah. Know why. I, you know, I think that's what brings. I think that's a really great point. Yeah. And I think that um, absolutely, there are parents who could 
teach their children well. I've seen yeah. it and, you know, experienced it, experienced their kids as they're grownups and they were raised in this homeschooling family. Absolutely. Uh, it just depends on the student and their needs. It depends on so many factors from year to year. A parent could decide to do things different ways. The teachers at our private school are fabulous absolutely outstanding in their own ways and their giftedness and for kids to get to experience that is amazing but it's an expense and so some families have that in their budget and some don't and it's um it's tricky that is why <laughs> when your child graduates yeah, from high school or from college there is this relief that comes over you as a parent because from year to year you're having to decide what's the best move forward um but t i i love teachers and i think that they put forth a really incredible product and so i would think that parents would want their kids to experience that like you said to have to learn how to do something and then how to do it with your friend sitting next to you or your enemy sitting next to you is a huge thing that you cannot always make happen at home. Although sometimes I guess you could with siblings, but um, it's a it's a tricky thing. And I, you know, well, and, you I know, respect I mean, parents who make that decision every year, you know, about what yeah. is the where is the best place for their children? Yeah, because I mean, you know, it's Aristotle said, you know, it's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And if you're not hearing any diverse opinions, you're falling short. And that includes diverse opinions from teachers. The two or three teachers that I really remember, you know, throughout my, when I was a student, were incredibly different opinions from what I thought. And really forced me to like, double down on my own thinking or or bust like I could really had to go for it and I I developed a lot of thought processes in the way I communicate information with that stuff so I I mean and obviously I'm gonna say I do think that you need teachers involved from the ground up and I think that it motivates your students to be different people than than they normally would and to be more interesting individuals and I think that's important yeah I, I have to agree I think that you you need at least other adults to teach you information you can't fully rely on um like you said about the the differentiation between um people and how you know one teacher or one adult can bring you information and another adult can bring you different information and, and life doesn't allow you to be uh, staying in one same thought bubble and, and and not just i'm not just talking like political or anything like that but the same, you know, believing the same thing, but coming from things at a different approach, uh, you know, how a math teacher teaches than how a different math teacher teaches is going to benefit different kids in different ways. And, you know, my dad was an accountant and he sat helping me with my homework all the time because I really sucked at math. And <laughs> it was hard for him to try to do that. You know, he's an accountant. He should be, you know, he understood the math, but him trying to get me to understand the math was different. But then I go and to you know my different teachers and a lot of them you know were able to figure out better ways for me to teach or to learn the math and so I think having other adults and other people because I also think kids learn the best from each other once a kid gets it I would like go help that person and I think they just there's that connection and they can explain it in ways that I think are sometimes better than adults um so 
if teachers are needed or other adults needed, we need people helping us, um, what's the ideal system to access this? Um, so if you could take the building blocks from the systems we've just talked about, how would you implement them to make like that perfect like education system? Or so you're school? saying like if we've had like we've all talked private, charter, public, if you could take building blocks from them and put them together, what's like the best system? Yeah, like, it's like what, a theoretical. Yeah, theoretical. Now that we've seen, you know, the filters of, of a private school and that education versus, you know, it's maybe the public or the charter and the things that we've all experienced, what is the best system no, not just from this conversation but from your own life experiences yeah well i yeah i mean because if if we're talking like the american education system obviously choice would be foundational like the ability to choose what your students are listening to and hearing but we also get that kind of idea that diversity is very helpful and being and being able to introduce content to students in a specific way is also very helpful so that's a big question for me because i would think you know i would easily answer that i think that you know, whatever's ideal to the parents is what everybody should go for. But there is this side of it where students need the diversity. So I don't know. That's tough. That's a big one. Yes, that's why I asked <laughs> it. So. I, I don't want this to sound like a squishy answer, but I, and, and maybe I'm disagreeing with Matt with the idea of choice. But I'm grateful that we have private, public and charter schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that not only, you know, having worked well, I haven't worked at private schools, but my mom was a private school teacher for 35 years, and I've sent my kids to private schools, um, so I have some familiarity. But I, having, having as a teacher and as a parent with three kids, um, and you talked about the choice that you make every year. What's best for my 10-year-old is not what's best for my 8-year-old and my 6-year-old. Mm-hmm. And right now, um, largely because of the pandemic and because of where we're at just developmentally and as a family, they're they're all homeschooled. But I'm very convinced that at some point they'll begin to go different ways and different take different routes based on yeah. their strengths and their weaknesses and where I think it's going to be important for them to have success and where I think it's going to be important for them to struggle. And, um, you know, having having taught at the big schools and the little charters, like I'm, I'm not an ideologue for either. I, what I am passionate for is that we have the option. Yeah. Um, so they're... There are absolutely students that I've had at my charter school, you know, that they're athletes, they're social, they're a lot of things. And I go, you need to go to that big comprehensive high school and be a football player or a cheerleader and you're going to thrive there. And and they do. And then I have other students that I go, you know, they're um, introverted, they're um, highly academic, they're uh, very bookish. Um, They are going to thrive at a little small charter school. Yeah. Um, And and that's fine. And so... I, you know, that's my apprehension and saying this is the ideal solution. I think it's, you know, I guess I'm offering kind of a big, messy American answer, but the ideal solution is a thousand different solutions. So that would be my mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, again, every student learns differently, and they will from year to year. I actually um, love the part of the charter school where they are on campus a couple days and home other days, it's kind of that inhale, exhale that happens, that when they're there day in, day out, five days a week is 
really difficult to make happen. They are, they get exhausted by the end of the week and mm-hmm. you're still trying to get the same production level out of them and it's just not there. And so I, I do love that. And mm-hmm. I think that could benefit a lot of students. Although then you see that one bookish kid who they want to be at that campus and they miss it when they're not there. And it's that constant, um, you know, the scheduling of the day that they love and they thrive in. And mm-hmm. so, again, I it's just really tough to come to that perfect schooling experience. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew brought up the point of how every kid is different and some are going to thrive from the big school, some are going to thrive from the small school or the private or the charter, the public, whatever it is. So uh, we've kind of seen again a little bit from everyone. So let's discuss the best ofs. Hearing from um, one another, what did you hear from one another that you would like or wish you can include in your own school? I'm going to have to think about that one. (laughs) I have to think about that. That's a big question for me. Also because I think, you know, there's... Yeah, I'm going to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let it sit for a second. Well, I already said I really like at the Charter the the schedule of their week. I think that's a, you know, a, a real pro for most students, I think are gonna benefit from that. And from the public, you just cannot argue with the amount of funds that come into you know, your schools mm-hmm. that we just don't, are not privy to. And of course, we're a small private school, but it's um, that constant, you know, do we have enough to do this this year or not? And, you know, not quite sure from year to year um, well, how many funds, students are gonna Public schools are always still saying, Oh, we don't get to do it this year because we don't have the fun. It's still the conversation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I and mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not being idealistic. I'm just saying that that would be something out of the public well, no, school that if there was more. The, I think it comes from having the numbers too, which is what I'm saying like, you know, hearing about, you know, the ability to interact with every parent one-on-one and have those super involved people and I get to see maybe, you know, a quarter of my parents the entire year and I really don't get the diversity of seeing it because I'm dealing with 250 students in my classes across the board there is no way you can have relationships with all of them there's mm-hmm. just no way to develop mm-hmm. it in the amount of time that you have with them mm-hmm. and the fact that in i mean the students even you can't even have the actual relationships or building blocks of any kind because you're sitting on that class roster that just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and mm-hmm. even to the point where you know and we didn't really talk about it at all but putting in accommodations for students too it just becomes very unrealistic at these numbers. Mm-hmm. It becomes like, well, I'm just going to quickly throw this at them on paper and hope that they're reading it and also hearing it. And all like mm-hmm. it, the accommodations just don't become realistic so and just, what just students need clear, individually to thrive. Just to be clear, you ideally would like the, the smaller numbers. That I think a the smaller numbers I have or a charter school. Yeah. And well, and just hearing how much community and relationships are coming out of charters and private schools is something that I mean, like I know I'm involved in the community of my school. And I know that I'm dealing with specific students a lot. I know I'm dealing with parents in a specific way, but it's not the same as the smaller numbers. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. Uh, I would say the best of for me, um, for a, a school like Judy um, taught at and was principal, I think that the option for parents to integrate you know, their convictions, religious convictions, with their students' education um, is pretty invaluable. I, I think... Um, when parents are, are um, kind of leaping that divide between what is, um, what's being taught at home and being school. Not that that's not an interesting and valuable conversation, but I think the opportunity in the private schools 
have to uh, come alongside and do that is is pretty important. I would say um, the charter school, um, again, the small intimate community is a great aspect. I would say the teacher accountability is a great aspect. I think we've all known teachers that shouldn't be teachers. Mm -hmm. And the charter school allows for that option. And that's a harsh thing to say. And I would love my union protection, protection if I was, you know, in an unfair circumstance. Um, however, um, I think teachers might be paid better if our jobs weren't so guarded. It's true. That might be a provocative. And then I'll just say I loved teaching at a big 5,000 student downtown high school. I thought it was yeah. one of the most fun, enriching, wild, diverse experiences. I would love my kids to to see it. Um, so again, I you know it's another squishy answer, but ev everyone has an upside. It really does. So. It does, and it's yeah. I mean, and, you know, bringing up that negotiation for you know job abilities and stuff. You know, there there is kind of the whole like teachers a lot of times wear different hats as well. And yeah. I think that, that that is an upside for public schools in that teachers can diversify a lot as far as what they're doing on campus and how they're helping students in that because a lot of it is teacher driven, which mm -hmm. means the success of the public school as compared to the schools that are surrounding you is very much based on what your teachers are accomplishing in the classroom and what they're accomplishing out of the classroom. And the ability to like do different things is, is enormous. And I think that's really, really, I mean, that's a very cool, like, competitive kind of system that you end up in as a teacher, is that you end up kind of competing for the ability to do these different items. And I know that's vague. I mean, but I guess talking, like, from somebody who's who's coached and who's run, like, tech coordination, who's done a whole bunch of stuff for, for school, I'm coming from the perspective of, you know, I get to kind of build a lot of different successes around the campus with different students, and I love that. I love the ability to do that. I think uh, I would take Matthew's... Uh, not fully on campus schedule. Uh, well, at, at the very least, because I'm always, I'm under the impression that a four day week is the best type of week. And <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you get into a five day week, they're burnt out by Friday. And I have I see a lot of yeah. teachers, and I'm I'm guilty of doing this in the past, where maybe we do like kahoot, or maybe we watch a film because y'all are dead or too hyper or something so having like the partial yeah the partial day or the partial week where um you know you're either hybrid you so you're only on campus maybe like three days a week and then you're off campus the other two or whatever doing work at home uh, I think that, especially because you have like time where you're like, oh, independent work. Do I need to be babysitting you during this? I, I prefer you doing this on your own so I can maybe have you collaborate or whatever. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the beauty of Judy's school where it's a, a small class. I taught in a small classroom at that private school, too. I think the smallest was like 11 kids, and it was awesome um, because you get so close to them, and they get close to each other, and, and you can do a lot. And that would be what I would take for the building blocks of that ideal school. Yeah. The other thing that flexible schedule does is, I mean, that's what college looks like, right? You don't go to school, college classes five days a week. Oh, yeah. And for, I think, the way our economy is shifting, um, mm -hmm. the jobs of the future are going to be gig economies. They're going to have flexible schedules. And that's that's the world our, our students will inherit. So mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, we forget that a lot. That we, we should be much um, closer concert and better communication with uh, the jobs and industries that our students will enter into after school. I think you know we're, we're way too far apart from the real world that our kids.
kids will walk into when they graduate. 100% agree because I am not a morning person. And if you're telling me I have to be at school at 8 a.m., I'm like, I'm cranky already. Uh, if you had like the kids, the ability to start later for those who need to start later and the ones who like getting up early. Uh, and then of you could always shift the after school activities around if needed in, in an ideal situation that was accessible to any kid, I think. And that brings up accessibility. Uh, how can we make the ideal school accessible for all of our students? Because we do have kids who not only have disabilities, either learning or physical disabilities, that we need to accommodate, but we have the bookie kids that you were saying earlier, um, the kids and the kids who are the social butterflies. So how can we build that accommodation for those kids in our ideal school, our ideal education? Yeah. Well, I think we were talking about the class sizes and, and we at, um, at the private school I was at, range from six to 18 in a class. And so at that level, you really can make accommodations um, because you have the ability to do that, you know, to recognize this student and um, where they're gonna be strong or weak. Um, there are still some limits to that, but um, yeah, I think it, a lot of it is, is becomes more accessible just because of the smaller sizes. Yeah. Absolutely. Zoom. The answer is Zoom. That's it. <laughs> Zoom is Final the key word. to yeah. all of it. We've unlocked it now. <laughs> well, before we end, is there any additional thoughts you want to share? Words of wisdom? I'm joining the Aristotle Lunch Club like Matt over here has apparently has joined since he quoted <laughs> it earlier. I want to. Just seeing if they want to add anything. I would just say just that in this pandemic, you know, I feel for the teachers and the parents and students alike. But um, as a teacher, I just want to say, hang in there and you're going to get through it. You know, yeah. there's something on the other side. God loves us too much to leave us in the same place. Yeah, I, I appreciate those remarks, Judy. And I think this is, I mean, I'm just being honest. In, in the 21 years I've taught, this is the most frustrating first month of school I've ever mm -hmm. experienced yeah but I will say this um, the fact that it frustrates me reminds me how much I care about the job and how privileged I feel to be able to do it and how important I think the work still is so, bless you uh, yeah mm -hmm. thanks for sending your kids to our schools and letting us teach them yeah, nice. thank yeah. You. and thank you guys uh, thank you both so much for speaking with us and taking the time we, we really appreciate it What are you thinking now um, as kind of a conclusion to this podcast? Admittedly, I went into um, this interview thinking with a bias, I think. Um, I went into it thinking that the three different mediums would be presenting three completely different things. And I come in from my own experience because I taught at a private school and there were very specific expectations and traditions that they did. And a charter school where they, t everyone had to teach writing in a certain way. Like the kids had to do workshops over the summer coming into the school in order to do it. And so I was expecting these very specific things to be um, presented within the charter and 
private schools that Judy and Matthew were going to present. And I found that that really wasn't the case. Uh, I, so I came into it with these expectations, thinking there would be three differences between the three schools, the three mediums of schools, if you will. Um, and I didn't really find that at all. And I thought that was uh, very interesting and a kind of mind-blowing to me. Uh, and I kind of felt like I went into it really judgy and I shouldn't have. <laughs> What do you mean by judgy? What, like, what do you mean by that? I was sitting there like, ah, oh, the private school is going to say this, and the chata is going to say that, and it's going to be different than us, and, and it wasn't. And so I'm, uh, it wasn't like that. I I think it was Matthew. And it made you drop a, back into a 1950s yeah, housewife. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was I was going actually for 1920s, like... Uh, Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was thinking that the private school would have like limitations to what the teachers could and couldn't do, and I thought even a little bit with the charter. And again, that was from my own bias experience. Well, let's let's go into that for a second about what you thought they could and couldn't do. As in, what do you what do you, what are you seeing? What are the changes that you were seeing as a, compared to like where you're sitting now? You've now gone through these interviews. What were you expecting? Like, what were the expectations? Well, I know with. Um, Judy's private school specifically, they have a specific curriculum that the teachers must follow. Um, It's a very Christian-based curriculum, and I thought that they wouldn't be necessarily allowed to bring in other text materials uh, into the teaching, and she debunked that. Contextually, that's not the case. Yes, and she debunked that at the beginning of, I think, in part one, and said, "Well, I think that's true of a lot of a lot of different places that you know." You kind of have to look at what what's being brought in by the teachers only in the context of is it age appropriate, and the yeah. argument the argument can of course be there, but content appropriate is not part of the argument mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Yeah, and so I thought you know there would be limitations, and Matthew brought it up also that he because I asked the question thinking I was gonna get an answer that was gonna be like oh I am and not or I'm not allowed to or whatever, but I asked them and Matthew answered it. Um, that I remember, I remember it very specifically. I asked, uh, can you do something if you go to your principal or your administration and say, I'd like to do X thing. Uh, and he said he never, um, went up to a principal that ever shot down any creative idea he came up with. And I thought that was a very true testament because as long as you're willing to put in the work, any school is going to really let you do it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if, if you can show evidence that you're willing to put in the work and you're not overloaded, I have never been told no. Yeah, and that's um, exactly... I've been told no if, if I'm sitting there absolutely exhausted and I have an idea and they're like, well, we're not going to do the work and you're clearly not going to do the work, so that's a no. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> and that was yeah. a mercy. They, <laughs> they were like, "Mercy on you, stop working." <laughs> and I think the only time I've ever been shot down for anything specific was if it cost too much money, you know, and, and I wasn't willing to fundraise or something. So yeah, exactly. Um, that's the that's the know, other side. Or I wasn't it. able to find money elsewhere, and so uh, that's that's what I meant by, or what I thought about it. So um, that and the second thing that really I really enjoyed listening to, especially in this part two. Um, was the idea of diversity amongst the schools and how they provide specific, um, they, they cater to each individual kid. And, and Matthew brought it up because he's got three kids, he said, and he said, well, you know, one school would be good for one of his kids, but not the other. And that really go, and that's just in his household. And I think that really, you know, it comforts me. I don't know if it comforts you, Matt, but it comforts me knowing that, you know, all of these schools can cater your kid 
in a very specific way as long as you go out and you try to find which it is whether it be public private or charter or you know schools see, within those mediums see that's not comforting for me well, um, how so to hear that uh because i really you know obviously it's really intimidating to hear that other people can do your job just as well as you and in this case i guess it should be comforting for the teaching field but as an employee um, it is intimidating because obviously I want to be at the top of my game. Obviously, mm-hmm. I want to be—I want to have the best perspective possible. And realizing that there is an infinite number of perspectives is really intimidating in approaching this job. Um, it's not—it's not a downside. I'm not really feeling negatively about it. It's more of a challenge where mm-hmm. I'm feeling like, okay, like other like people have a handle on it, so let's let's keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. Let's keep pushing and see what we can get out of this, you know. And and remember, you don't have to be. The best teacher in the world. You just have to be. I mean, the best obviously I am, kids. and I know that now. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing left to learn. That's why I was disappointed. Well, you're gonna be real disappointed in who I nominated for Teachers of the Week. Tell and me. It wasn't Tell me you. who it was. But it's not me. <laughs> I want to nominate Judy McMillan and Matthew Payton for coming on the podcast with us, and uh, we really appreciate you, and I'm sure your schools appreciate you too, so. Congratulations (laughs) on Teacher of the Week. Yeah, congratulations. And of course, you guys, you can nominate a Teacher of the Week. You can uh, do so by emailing us at thosewhocantdopodcast at gmail.com, or going to our Facebook page, Those Who Can't Do Podcast. You will see all the ways you can, um, you can, well, and you'll be talking to Judy, who yeah. runs all of our social media. Um, and we big shout out to her for doing that for the last couple of weeks for us. Yeah, she's our social media director, so you can give her um, a shout out or you can nominate and she'll see which teacher of the week you want. Um, and you'll see all of our Instagram and Twitter and, all the, and our website stuff on our Facebook page that way. So uh, that is the end of our podcast today. Tune in next week where we will uh, leave you in suspense with the topic because we have a few ideas. We just haven't (laughs) chosen which one we want yet because we're so excited. Uh, Thank you for listening. We are Matt and Gina. Uh, We'll see you next week.